everyone. Welcome to our bonus episode of Exploit It. I'm Alexis Strowski. I'm Kevin Daly. And we're wearing long tails and ears for hats. Guitars uh, and sharps and flats. Yeah, my guitar is not uh, in the room with me. Well, one of my, I have several guitars, but none of them are in the room with me currently. We're watching. This time, our bonus episode is Josie and the Pussycats, 2001, directed by Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. For every band, there is a moment when they know they have made it. For one band, this is not that moment. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're a great crowd. Okay, girls, we need the lane now. And your shoes. They were three small-town girls with big-time dreams. Who's a rock star? I am. Who wanted to share their music with the world. We can't sit around here waiting for it to happen. We are musicians. We should be out there playing music. We do play. Nobody believed in them. You know, you suck. <laughs> but they believed in themselves. We're special. Yeah, special Ed. <laughs> now. In a world of tough competition. And that is so sad. Fate is giving the Pussycats the chance of a lifetime. We'd love for you to sign with Mega Records. How am I going to pull this off? I'm a girl from Riverdale. I'm not a rock star. you got to believe in yourself. Things are finally going their way. But between the mania... Is that Joseph? They're going to be huge. The managers. We decide everything. What's hot and what's not. Welcome to your party. Who else thinks that Fiona's a freak? And the media. We're gonna be on TRL. Mm-hmm. This may be the toughest gig they've ever played. Have you noticed that everything has sort of become all about Josie? Josie. 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 Spin around. I made you a rock star. Tell me you don't love that. Forget it. You know, I never liked you. No matter what happens, we will always be friends first. Are you gonna kill me with the guitar? You messed with the wrong pussycat. My bad. Josie and the Pussycats. By the way, they uh they they were a writing pair, those two. Yeah. Um they did direct one other movie together. Can't hardly wait. Which I haven't seen, but I know a lot of people like. I don't know why they do. It's 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 a pretty mid movie. Yeah. Um but they they wrote and tell me if you notice a trend here, a very Brady sequel, The Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas, Josie and the <laughs> Pussycats. Got some uh, cartoon adaptation vibes. Yeah, they're all adaptations. Hanna, Hanna-Barbera got cartoons specifically, right? Yeah. Uh, Flintstones was Hanna-Barbera. Josie was Hanna-Barbera. Very, uh, the Brady Bunch was a live-action movie. Oh, that was live-action. So just like TV adaptations. I didn't yeah. see Bra- I don't think I saw either of the Brady Bunch movies. Oh, you should. They're good. Are they good? Yeah. They're surprising. Maybe I saw the good. first one. I should I should see them. Because they didn't just try to do a, like, a straight-up adaptation. They made them this, like, displaced family that's in the 90s, but they're the oh. 70s family. Oh, God. 
So, like, there's a lot of, it's kind of fish out of water, because, um, you know, it's like, she's all into getting Davy Jones to play at their homecoming, when the everybody in their school's into grunge. Because <laughs> it's the 90s, yeah. But Josie and the Pussycats is, I loved this show and the song before this, because when Cartoon Network came along, they didn't have their own um, original programming yet. Right. So the entire channel would just air just nothing but these old cartoons, and I spent an entire summer with just that channel. So I watched, like, every episode of every cartoon. Saw all the episodes of Super Friends and Josie and the Pussycats, which turns out there's not a whole lot of episodes of. There was one season of 16 episodes. Wow. And then, Man, even the Super Mario Brothers Super Show got more episodes than that. And then they did the next season, they did one season of 16 episodes of Josie and the Pussycats in Space. Oh, well that escalated quickly. Which has a shitty theme song, because it's the same theme song, just in space. With theremin? <laughs> no, they just add the word in space. Oh. They're like, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats in space. <laughs> Long hands and ears for hats in space. Oh, Jesus. Wow. That definitely feels like a bunch of uh, bunch of riders up at uh, having a big coke bender that weekend and waking up with five minutes left to submit oh, sure. their song. we got to write this song. Just put in space. But so the movie itself, uh, let's see. We open with screaming teen girls, which is just how you want to open every movie. No. <laughs> And one and one screaming teen boy. Yeah, one guy who, because there's this boy band called Dejour, and so yeah. he got all the screaming teen girls and one screaming effeminate boy who who says he's not gay because you know it's the early two thousands and you can't you can't it's not cool to be yeah. it's I, not I cool know. to be out of the closet. But this guy closet yet. Um, and so this band Dujour comes up, and this band is there's DJ played by Donald Faison. Yep. Travis, played by Seth Green, Marco, played by Brecken Meyer, and Les, played by Alexander Martin. And they just burst into song for all these fans right in front of their plane. And it's such obvious lip sync. Right. But it's supposed to be. Yeah. And their song, which sounds exactly like all the boy band songs of the early 2000s. All your which were in fact written by which were in fact written by the same person pretty much yeah but this song you know it's it's starting with all the like you're my baby I love you and, and then just randomly I'm your backdoor lover I'm like oh shit song song is totally not about anal no not at all <laughs> and these girls scream back backdoor lover I'm like oh my god this is terrible this movie love- is just filled with innuendo it is amazing. And then they're being interviewed, and they're like, hey, hey, Marco, this girl wants to marry you. And, like, she's literally, like, in a wedding dress, marry me. And he's yeah. like, oh, uh, yeah, hey, uh, it's, it's on the album, baby. Yeah, that's right. And their promoter is Alan Cumming. And, and Who is the, so good in this movie. So good. Um, he takes them onto their, their airplane that they bought at Target, I guess. Because it's yes, this, this is a theme about of this movie. It's just laden with product placement. So for satirical reasons. It's like you know that scene in Wayne's World where they're making fun of the product placement and taking a big bite of like Doritos. Yeah, it's that for the the whole movie. There's some scenes in this movie where like they're flying into New York or something, and there's there's like McDonald's like logo on the buildings and stuff. I'm like, they joke. We may not be too far away from that. 
I remember when basketball made a joke about like stadiums having sponsorships from like Tampax and shit. Like, you oh know, the, yeah, the tab- and then that happened. This is something that actually happened. Stadiums now have advertising names, so don't put it past ad, ad com- corporations to just spooge their logo all over the buildings, like the skyline. Now, basketball had the Preparation H Stadium. <laughs> That's right, Tampax Stadium. But yeah, this Target airplane, it's just the Target logo everywhere. And um, they're on their way to a, a show in Riverdale, which makes sense. You know, it's an Archie comic. But also, Riverdale is such a huge uh, market to play. And um, they have a monkey that's named Dr. Zaius that just runs around on their airplane. And they have a little fight about the monkey. It's like, don't you be mean to Dr. Zaius. And I'm thinking... Dr. Zayas, backdoor lover. This is the opening to House of a Thousand Corpses. Yes, it is. But um, they, they, they're fighting, and the one guy, Les, just keeps like, But du jour means family. Stop fighting. Du jour means family. Meanwhile, Alan Cummings has to try to keep these man babies in check. <laughs> yeah, he's doing his best at it, though. They're like, oh, by the way, we were... Working on some remixes on our, on our latest single, and we had a question about this really weird background track. And so they play it for him, and it plays like sinister music. <laughs> and so he goes, he's like, one second here. And he goes into the po- cockpit, and he just goes, take the Chevy to the levee. <laughs> and they jump off with parachutes to let this plane crash. So he just references American Pie before try for killing a boy band in an airplane crash. That's both distasteful and extremely funny. Yes, just the, and that the pilot knows exactly where he's coming from. You can just go take yeah. the Chevy to the levee. Um, and so he just pulls out his cell phone and it's like, "We need to find a new band. Enter our new band." Like, as he's like parachuting down to the ground to safety, just like his first moves as he's taking his first steps, he's just ready to roll his cell phone. The plane is crashing in flames behind him. Obviously not his first rodeo with the (laughs) crashing a plane. And so we get our credits, and we see Josie and the Pussycats in montage. There's Josie, played by Rachel Lee Cook, Melody, played by Tara Reid, and Valerie, played by Rosario Dawson. And the best thing about this montage is Melody is a fucking delightful idiot. Oh, she's... uh, And it's it's great because they had the ditzy character be the drummer. That's always a stereotype with with drummers. And um, the thing I liked in the montage that shows her ditziness, because she loves animals. And so uh, she's standing with this sign that says, Honk if you love pussycats, but the the cats is covered by like a a light post. So all these men are just seeing her with this sign that says, Honk if you love pussycats. See, and it causes a car accident. She's like, oh no, I see what I did. <laughs> but we also have their manager, Alexander Cabot, played by Paulo Costanzo, and his skunk-headed sister, because she's got like black hair with a white stripe down the middle. Right. Alexandra, played by Missy Pyle. Fun fact, in the original cartoon, Alexander was voiced by Casey Kasem. Oh. And then also in the credits, we're introduced to Alan M., Mayberry's sexiest man for, well... Alan M. Mayberry, the sexiest man in Riverdale. Oh. Like, he's just tossed into the credits, and I'm like, why? And so, they, they, they play at a bowling alley. Like, this whole opening song that they're playing and we're seeing them do, turns out that they're just playing at a bowling alley. 
and nobody is paying attention to them. And this song is a fucking banger. I know. I would have stopped bowling, because I don't really yeah. much like bowling to begin with, but <laughs> um, they're, they're definitely better than 5 p.m. bowling alley coffee. That's right. Also, I do like that they at least sort of showed the girls had instruments function. I swear I've, I've watched like some shit where like people pretend to play their instruments and they don't even remotely look like they know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. That drives me up the wall as someone who does actually know how to play instruments. I um, watched a YouTube video once from like this violinist that showed people playing violin in movies and copied exactly how they were playing and it's just ear screeching nonsense. Yeah. But they uh they get bullied by these other girls that are making fun of their cat ears. And Tara reads like, the, the cat ears are special. We're special. And they're like, special people's club. And they're like, yeah, we are special people. Because she's just so delightfully dim. Good egg. Yep. So Alan M. shows up to get his car fixed by Josie. And we learned that he plays folk guitar. And he's got a Strat head on an acoustic body. And I can't decide if I love it or hate it. And, um, well... Josie loves it. She has this huge crush on him. And he's like, is there anything that you really need to say to somebody? Just afraid to? And she's like, oh, oh, this is where he says he's in love with me. She's like, just say it. There's a guy at my work that smells really bad. And I'm like, ah, that's such a cliche, you know, rug pull there that you've seen in many other romantic comedies. But I like it still. Yeah, but the thing is he continues on to describe it like twice. <laughs> yeah, he keeps going with it. Meanwhile, the, the pussycats are meeting up with their manager who didn't go to their bowling alley show because he was had tickets to the DuJour concert or something. No, he was waiting in line for tickets for DuJour. Yeah, somehow, somehow I don't think he's going to be able to see them. No. And he, and he has a, he's like, well, you can't expect me to be two places at once. And Melody just goes off with it. She's like, oh, that'd be awesome if you were. And she gets up and she's running around the house. I could be in the kitchen and in my bedroom and in my living room and also in the kitchen. And she just keeps going. And like entire scenes are carrying on around her while she's just running around shouting the rooms in her house. Tara Reed is so great in this movie. <laughs> she like, is. Perfect. It's at this point we get the Bite Me Bambi line, which is a band, by the way, a ska band from Orange County. It just immediately triggered that up. I like, isn't that a band? Yes, they are. I recall them being fairly good. They, uh, uh, we learned that they, we, we get the like, oh, guys, guys, turn on the TV, and it's MTV nudes. And we're like, oh, those were the days. I was going to say, man, that brought me back. I, I wanted Kurt Loder to pop up, but we didn't get him. Let me not get Kurt Loder in this one. And it's like, oh, DuJour's plane went down, they're missing. But, you know, their label says that they're coming out with the commemorative box set and a CD-ROM with the history of the band. Everyone's sad, and it shows DuJour, you know, and it has dates, 2000 to 2001. And I love that they're just taking shots at the record industry left and right already. We're like... 20 minutes, like 15 minutes into the movie, and they're just taking shots. I just love that 2000-2001 commemorative box set and CD-ROM I know. history. Like, the day after the the day after the plane crashed, their corporation just ready to, to rock and roll with the, the commemorative help. So the, the girls are worried about their band and their show, and Josie's trying to keep everyone motivated. She's like, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade, and when the going gets tough, the tough... Melody shouts out, make lemonade! <laughs> We get a montage as the Pussycats do a cover of That's What I Want. Yeah. And um, Evil Alan Cumming is going around trying to find his band. And um, so he's at the record store. And he's like, play this. 
it's the last single from Du Jour. And so the, the DJ puts it on and everyone's into the song and they're like, I want to buy orange clothing now. I want to buy shoes and Zima because it is just it's, straight up subliminal. You don't even drink. I know, but I think I should start. It's just like, this movie is super subversive. The critique of consumer culture in this movie is so great. So they, uh, there's this one girl that's not into it, and Alan Cummings like, you don't like the music? And she's like, no, I don't like the mainstream. Oh, yo, this music sucks. And she's like, it's like I want to know all about your ideas. Um, and he radios it and goes, smells like teen spirit. And they just fucking kidnap the nonconformist. That's right. But so he's driving around Riverdale, and he's about to hit Josie and the Pussycats. He yeah, he's getting flack from his boss. His boss, played by uh, Parker Posey, by the way. Yep. We haven't seen her much yet. No, this is actually, I think, the first time we've really heard much from her is he's given given him shit about not having found a band yet but he almost hits these girls but he sees that they've got musical instruments and the whole time this scene is going it's playing paradise by the dashboard light yeah and then he literally breaks the fourth wall to smile at us i know and um he's like sign on immediately with mega records and he thinks their their band is called the pussy hats i mean that would be something and they, they correct him to like the cats he's like oh that explains why you're not wearing hats <laughs> but he hasn't even heard their music he's just sign on immediately with mega records sell out with me oh yes <laughs> sell out yes it's literally the plot from the <laughs> real big fish song it is and um he's like you don't want to try and make it on your own i mean look what happened to the beastie boys but they're huge stars oh but it's a very <laughs> dated reference and um, there's this one shot that I loved here, because they all go to the, they're at Starbucks, and they all go into the bathroom to discuss this, the three of them, and it's this tight shot of all three of them at the mirror, and they're just discussing, while Alexandra is there just putting on her makeup and just shoving them around the whole time to put on her makeup in this mirror. And it's just this tight shot that she's just pushing her way around in when these girls are having a dialogue. It's just... yeah. I liked it. And they ask yeah, her, old. like, what are you doing here? And she goes, I'm here because I was in the comic book. Yeah, I love that. It's like, fair enough. <laughs> they take a moment because they're like, oh, we're getting big. And they, they have their bus passes. And that they're all in each other's bus pass photos, which I never heard of bus passes needing photos. I guess Riverdale's bus passes do. They're kind of more stricter because they actually don't care if all three of you are in the picture. <laughs> yeah. Like, I could get that kind of enthusiasm for when you get a license, but a bus pass, when they already have cars that they drive. Hell, Josie can repair them. Yes, they have a van that they've been going to gigs in. It's very bizarre. But they, they swear on their bus passes that no matter what happens, we will always stay friends, which you see in every movie like this, that moment. Yeah. Obviously, we're coming back around to that eventually. And then uh, Alan Cumming, his name's Wyatt, by the way. Wyatt, yeah. He takes them to a gang of stylists, and we get an actual makeover montage. You know, I'm like, yep, it's one of those. Yep. And they, he takes them out to Times Square, where there's a big, giant uh, Josie and the Pussycats, you know, up on uh, up in lights. And they're like, we haven't recorded anything yet. Oh! So they ha haven't even recorded an album yet, or a song, for that matter. And they try to point out that we're just the Pussycats. We're not Josie and the Pussycats. And he's like... 
Well, are, are, are you, since marketing, are you more likely to buy a record or read a comic or watch a cartoon or see a movie about Josie and the Pussycats? Which, those are all media that, that's, that Josie and the Pussycats were in. Right. Then, he kind of gets racist for a minute, because he doesn't really get along with, with Rosario Dawson's character. This is very weird, yeah. I don't know if it's if he's intentionally trying to to sabotage their relationship, or plant doubt in her but he he's talking to his boss fiona parker posey about this it's like one of them is uh incredibly tan it's (laughs) it's like tlc but with two white chicks (laughs) like what else did he compare them to he compared them to whole what was it there was a couple other bands that i thought was pretty funny oh I just remembered the uh, the TLC with two white chicks is the only one I noted. But when we get Fiona, she's got the government. I mean, oh, go ahead. Knowing what we know about him at the end of the movie, everybody's a bit tan to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Fiona, she's got like all the, the heads of government in her office. And she, she hits this elevator to unveil her evil supervillain plot. It's so over the top. I'd like to point out one of my favorite scenes in this movie is she has to she dusts cocaine off of the fucking yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody realizes because again that's like the record exact thing right they're all doing blow in their office like that's the stereotype <laughs> she's like the coke off and she's got this like secret underground base where she's plotting like a takeover. She's like, we determine all of the flat fads, all of the slang, all of the trends. The and, Illuminati um, of pop culture. Yeah. What is the slang ter- term they make? Jerkin. Jerkin. <laughs> I, I turned, uh, I, I asked my wife, should I be using jerkin as slang from now on? She goes, no. Because <laughs> they're like, yeah, this song is so jerkin. Jerkin. And then um, they show this video to all of the uh, the government people, uh, and it's just Eugene Levy playing himself in a short film about subliminal messaging. <laughs> yeah, fucking Eugene Levy, I love it. And he's just like, God bless the United States of America, the most ass-kicking country in the world. That's right. And, and so she's like, they're big conspiracy, like all the rock stars that have died throughout history were the ones that found out the truth. That's right. Like du jour. And it's like, but then we, we, we created an explanation to say what happened to these people, and it's VH1 behind the music. Behind <laughs> the music, that's right. And um, so Josie and the Pussycat, they go to record, and he's got this special mixer there. And he's like, here, I'll show you how it works. And so they play a bit of their song, and then he presses some buttons and plays it back, and they're like, that sounds really good. Now I want a Big Mac. Yeah, and I want to stop by a Foot Locker. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Big Mac. Melody, you're a vegetarian. I know, but it sounds... And so they, they put out the CD, and it's their song. It's called Pretend to be Nice. And we see, like, a montage of their climbing the charts. They're getting stardom and merchandising. Everybody's a fan. There's these people that are like, this is the best CD ever. Yeah! And I really want some Gatorade now! That's right. And so it goes through this whole montage as they make it to number one. One of the girls goes, does anyone else think it's strange that all of this happened in just one week? <laughs> and why it's just ready to, to, to Chevy to levy them again. Yeah. And they go, no. And he, he smiles and he puts a little 
we're good for now. Actually, there's a great little reference here. They're like, um, uh, Josie and the Pussycats to be played by Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, which is a reference to the cast from Charlie's Angels. It is the cast from Charlie's Angels, yeah. But, um, which I thought, thought that was a hilarious little reference there. So the the girls that bullied them come up to the, the motel, the hotel. Holiday Inn. Yeah, they're in the fancy product placement hotel here. There's just Target and Revlon everywhere. <laughs> The movie, as the movie goes on, it gets more and more and more obscene. The amount of product placement, and um, that they're they're now their biggest fans, and they're like, "No, you you hated us in high school. Go away." Alan Cumming is like, "Oh, this is a good thing. What's the point of being famous? Is the people you hated in high school don't want to kiss your ass now?" And I'm like, "Fair." And he's like, "You're all coming to the, this big party, Josie and Melody. Like, Valerie doesn't get an invite because." Alan Cumming is a racist. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I suppose you can come. <laughs> and then after this, you're going to play your big stadium concert. And they're like... They'll have a oh, yeah, they did actually have a hit single at this point. I don't know if their single. whole album's out yet. No, they had a single. But they're like, we're really nervous about going to this big fancy New York party and then a stadium concert. Meanwhile, we get Fiona planning Operation Big Concert. That's right. Where they, everyone has to buy special Josie and the Pussycats headsets. It's just crazy how ahead of its time this is, because like they did this again in the Kingsman like 10 years later. And what they really hear under the music is uh, Mr. Movie Phone. Mr. Movie Phone <laughs> is doing the subliminal advertising. And he's like... And it actually is him. It actually is him, and he's going, Conform! Free will is overrated! There is no such place as Area 51. And then there's this lovely back and forth between Fiona and like the guy from the, the government, because he goes, these kids will never know what hit them. And then she turns around and goes, and neither will you. I'm sorry, what did you say? Did you say, and neither will you? And so she makes an excuse, and she turns around, and she's like, that was close. Wait, what did you say? It sounded like you said that was close. I just like my dice rolling. Nat 1, nat 20, nat 1, nat 20. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, Valerie's back in her, her Target hotel, petting the Target dog, which was their like their mascot at the time. Yeah. And watching this uh, documentary about Captain and Tennille, the VH1 oh, yeah. behind the music, that yeah. they were originally the Chief and Captain and Tennille, and the Chief... <laughs> Who's the black one. Right. He's like, oh, I'm the one that told him to put on the hat. You can't be a captain without a hat. That's actually Babyface, the rapper from that time. He wrote or co-wrote a lot of the music in this movie. Yeah. Actually, the people who wrote the music in this movie is a very weird collection of pop stars. It includes Adam Duritz from Counting Crows. And Johnny Depp, Gwen Stefani, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Matt Damon. It's just are all the cardboard cutouts in a later scene. Yeah. But no, we also, you know, the chief, he's like, I always told him friends first, band second. And Valerie's very moved by this. Meanwhile, Melody is in her McDonald's shower. With her McDonald's fry loofah. <laughs> yeah, her McDonald's fry loofah. And there's a Ronald McDonald toilet paper holder. And she's thinking, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. And yeah. she claps every time and then drops the loofah. <laughs> has to pick it up. Uh, meanwhile, somebody sneaks in and writes, beware of the music on the mirror. And she gasps in horror before she goes and puts like a heart and a smiley. And she goes, that's better. <laughs> that's better. And for some reason, Alan has come to New York with them. Well, I think that because I think Josie didn't want to leave him alone with uh, Alexandra. Because well, she's like, I get him all to myself now because she's got a crush on him too. But Alexandra- and she's like, I had to tell. I know she ends up coming. Yeah, because that's. that's- and- 
what we get the line about. Why are you here? Because I was in the comic. Yeah, I love. I just love it. It's like, yep, this is like this is fan service. She has no point in the plot, but we're putting her in here anyway. And he's like doing a concert at some bar. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, I'll be there. Um, but they show up at the party, and we get their inner monologues, where Josie's like, oh, they're all staring, we shouldn't be here. Valerie is like, they're all staring, we shouldn't be here. And Melody is, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Melody is the person I wish I was. Yeah, she is so just pleasant. Uh, but then Fiona enters. She's got this grand entrance and musical number with fucking backup dancer entourage as she comes down the stairs. Very weird. And she's like, my girls, come, let's be girls together. And she goes to this, like, fancy bedroom. She's like, this is my girly room. Let's give each other French braids and eat snacks. Uh, which they're not too into doing this with Fiona. No. And, um... I think she's quite odd. Yeah, so they leave, and Fiona's like, I don't like the other two pussycats. They're asking questions. That bothers me. So, we're gonna keep Josie and put the two nosy pussycats to sleep. And her and Alan Cumming have competing competing evil laughs. (laughs) Yes. Meanwhile, um, there's a scene at an aquarium. I think, like, Alan and Josie go to the aquarium. Or is it Josie and the other girls? But the whole thing that... No, uh, it's Alan and Josie, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, you see the, like, dolphins or whatever swimming around. Big fucking ad for Avion in the water. That's right. Then, um, meanwhile, we're back in the uh, the Target hotel room. Valerie is petting the Target dog. And uh, we had a good line from Alan coming here. Because they're, they're expressing their doubts. Yeah. And he goes, your level of non-commitment is making me question your commitment commitment. That's right. But I love I love that he straight up drops the Cypress Hill lyrics from <laughs> Rock Superstar. <laughs> Do you want to be a rock star? Big house, five cars, you're in charge. You gotta put in the work. So he takes... Valerie and Melody to go on TRL. Like, just you, no Josie. They're like, wow, we're really famous now. But it's like fake as hell, TRL. It's like cardboard. <laughs> Every All the, the cameras are cardboard. All these cardboard cutouts of like Matt Damon and Gwen Stefani. Oh, right. And um, then uh, this black guy comes out and he goes, hi, I'm Carson Daly. They're like, no, you're not. He's like, yeah, yeah, they, they just make me wipe for the camera. Look but, at my nails. Yeah. But then the real Carson Daly comes out. They're like, oh, ha, there's a funny joke. Your, your friend does impersonations. And Carson Daly's like, yeah, but we're both here to kill you. And they take out these baseball bats. That's right. And they uh, they have a big fight, but the girls get away. Uh, that one guy, uh, go on. I would like to point out, um, so before the before this movie, Tara Reid and Carson Daly had been dating. In fact, I think they were engaged and called it off. And so there's that scene in this where they're fighting with each other. And they're like, you know, if I, and Carson Daly's like, if I weren't so committed to this whole conspiracy thing, I think we could have And then she knocks him down with a cardboard cutout and goes, yeah, like I'd ever go out with you. <laughs> and the other guy keeps doing impersonations while he's chasing down and Valerie. And Valerie's just telling him how terrible his impersonations are. And then he starts in on this impersonation of Bill Cosby. She doesn't like it and beats the, beats the hell out of him with the bat while he's still Bill Cosby. And he's like, open door to jello. Yeah, a joke that is either dated poorly or dated very well, yeah. depending on your point of view. But Josie is listening to their new single, which is the sad song. Yeah. And um, she ends up being brainwashed because the other pussycats come in and she is just rude as hell to them. Just totally out of character. She goes full Morrissey. Yeah. She's like, if people cared about you, it'd be called Valerie and the Pussycats. But it's not. It's Josie. So she has her sad montage, and she's still listening to the CD. A CD player. Yeah, a CD player back in those days. 
See, for all you Zoomers, this is a thing you used to put carry around. You put these discs called compact discs in. They were just silver things, and they played music. <laughs> they kind of looked like DVDs, which were a thing, too. And then Blu-rays. They also kind of looked like Blu-rays. Which were also a thing. God damn. But so she trips and breaks her CD player and she sees the bus pass and discovers the brainwashing backing track and stuff. Because I think the CD player is slowed down. Yeah. The, and so it's, she can hear the track now. And um, she's like, oh no, I'm a trend pimp. <laughs> And so the girls, they find the uh, that the mixer that puts on the subliminal messages, and they're like, oh no, Alan Cummings ready to Chevy to the levee again. That's right. When Dujour walks in, they survived the plane crash. Um, and in fact, they'd landed the plane crash plane just fine. However, they landed in a Metallica concert, and the fans kicked the shit out of them. Which makes me wonder about Riverdale, that on the same day Metallica was playing, they were also getting this boy band playing? Like, what kind of super music destination is Riverdale <laughs> to get all these A-list bands right. on the same day? And the, the guy, which I, I don't remember which one it was, who's, who's not as beat up, he goes, it's a good thing I knew the lyrics to Enter Sandman. That's uh, Les. Les got saved from the worst beating because he actually knew a little bit of it. They went easy on him. And uh, we get a big fight scene as the girls, they, they, they tell Fiona, they're like, you messed with the wrong pussy. And they, they big fight scene, you know, they try to capture Valerie and Melody and put them in this Ford car, which specifically they point out it's a Ford. That's right. Um, Melody is secretly a badass. Yep. And so they bash in the machine to reveal that the, the secret message was just about how cool Fiona was. Like the big, great plot here of Operation Big Concert, all the subliminal messaging is Fiona. Fiona looks great. Uh, you want to be friends with Fiona. And um, the whole world is like tuned in watching this, by the way. Right. They'll have their silly hat cat ears on. Yeah. And so it turns out that Fiona, she grew up with a speech impediment. And everyone's like, oh, I'm so sorry that she was lisping Lisa Schneider, but rather lisping Lisa, um, which Alan Cummings like, it's that you? It's me, white ass Wally. You were the albino? He's like, it's a wig. And he wipes off his makeup and he's like clown white under. Yeah, he's like, been faking an English accent the whole time. And they're like, it's meant to be. Lisping Lisa and white ass Wally, they get together and um, somebody specifically states, the moral of this story is that you should be happy with who you are. <laughs> And then Alexandra's there, and the cops run in, and they just go, holy shit, that girl's got a skunk on her head. I just loved that line. Well, the uh, FBI, yeah, that FBI guy who was in the part of the conspiracy arrests them. He's like, sorry, they're catching on to us, so we have to throw someone under the bus. Also, we've learned that movies are much better. It's a little advertising. <laughs> advertisement pops up on the screen. It does. <laughs> Literally, an ad pops up. What was it even an ad for? I can't remember. I don't even remember. But they get up to do their big con concert their big stadium show and they're like we're gonna play our brand new song for you but alan shows up and he's like i love you josie i love you alan and they have their big moment and then they play their song they have a scene that's like that sounds like i should be putting it in the bridge of a midwest emo song yeah and they um and alexander's bummed out because josie and alan are together but less from du jour is like hey hey i like your hair her skunk i like hair. skunks i like oh. skunks and so we get our end credits with everybody dancing and blooper reel. And it's a really fun movie. And yeah, what did you think? I love this movie. It's so good. I actually, it took me longer to watch it than uh, 
it should have because I would kept pausing it and telling telling my wife like what's going on in the movie because I always I have watching with the headphones on and I just laughing my ass off. My daughter thinks I'm crazy because I'm laughing and she can't hear the movie. <laughs> it's a and uh, it's so good, way better than it had any right to be because it's it's really like you you pointed out it's subversive. Yeah, it's the satire before that kind of satire was popular. It's so weird because everybody missed it. So like I got critically panned and it's like did you guys did it just go over your head how could this go over your head it's pretty blatant to me and again i you know whatever we have 20 22 years of of space between this coming out and now but and this sort of thing is more common it's like tropic thunder i was comparing it to tropic thunder the whole time where this is like a shot at the you know the consumer industry and the music industry whereas tropic thunder was taking a shot at the movie industry it was very much the same sort of humor a lot of inside baseball and um the uh soundtrack one thing i did not like was the their version of josie and the pussycats because they changed the lyrics to be about this movie which yeah understandable because the original lyrics are like oh we travel around the world and stuff which they don't do at all in this movie they go from Riverdale to New York, and that's and that's, that's about it. it. And then they go back to Riverdale. Right. I, I still love the original song. I have, I had it on a recording. I, I bought a, uh, you know, Saturday morning's greatest hits. So it was a bunch of those that I was <laughs> watching all of those cartoons at the time too. I must have watched like every episode of this, and oh, they also had freaking like Underdog and everything that I watched. Oh God! Wow, Underdog. <sighs> um, but no reviews did not. We're not kind to this movie. Yeah, not when it came out. It's I think it's pretty well received now. Yeah, when it but came But like out. everybody missed. Everybody missed. Like even like film critics who should know better missed what this was trying to do. Roger Ebert gave the film one half of a star. How did he miss Roger Ebert's a smart guy or was a smart guy. How did he miss? How did he miss it? And he says, Josie and the Pussycats are not dumber than the Spice Girls, but they're as dumb as the Spice Girls, which is dumb enough. <laughs> I just, he completely missed the point. Like, I don't know how. But it I don't know how all these critics missed the point. Um, that in the years since, it's gotten some kind of occult status. Uh, it's been praised for its satirical take on American pop culture. Um, the AV Club, one of the writers said that the movie is funny, sly, and sweet, and a sly, sustained spoof of consumerism. I mean, was, I, look, I don't remember 2001 very well. It was a long-ass time ago. Half a lifetime ago. Yeah. For me. And maybe consumerism wasn't, like, is obviously rampant back then. I gotta imagine it was, though. I mean, the 80s were, were fucking, you know, corporate hell, like, yeah. today. Like, I can't imagine things... I can't imagine things are too different than now. I mean, I didn't see it when it came out, because I was like, oh, they're remaking a cartoon that I really liked with that bitch from She's All That. Because I was still bitter about She's All That. I did not like that movie at all. Isn't She's All That a Shakespeare story? No, you're thinking of She's the Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, She's All That's a Pygmalion story. Oh, it's Pygmalion. Okay. Yeah, where Freddie Lee, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Ah, yes, it was that area. That era is like takes on a a a bet to take this weird, strange girl and turn her into something respectable, which is yeah, a lot it's of a, Pygmalion. Yeah, remake of Pygmalion and My Fair Lady. Yeah, you're thinking remake of Pygmalion. That's what. Fucking Paul Walker was in that. Yes, he was. Our boy Paul Walker. But no, She's the Man was the one with uh, Amanda Bynes, pretends to be on a boy's soccer team, and it's Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night, yeah, okay, that's what I was, you're right, that's what I'm thinking of. Which, it was popular at the time to make these uh, teen comedy remakes of old British literature like Pygmalion and Shakespeare because of 
how well 10 Things I Hate About You did. So in a sense, these are all exploitation, that they're just trying to cash in off of 10 Things I Hate About You. Shakespeare exploitation. Yeah. Although Josie and the Pussycats is wholly original, except yes. for the fact that it's based on a comic. But still. I mean, I mean, it just uses the characters as a jumping off point. It's not like, I, I, I don't know, it, it's... You don't have to do jack shit about Archie comics or Josie and the Pussycats or anything. Just completely take it separately. I mean, and it's just fun satirical commentary on the music industry and and, cor- and you know American consumerism. Yeah, you don't need to know it, but um, if you do, yeah, you, you catch some of the in jokes. Yeah, there's a lot of little nods and jokes and stuff about it. Yep. So it's just it's just good. I don't like I said I I can't understand why how people 20 years ago just missed completely. Yeah, like it's one thing you know there's. A, I guess there is such a thing about a movie being ahead of its time, and that happens a lot, but this one just seems like it would have been completely reasonable in its time. But, yeah, it's it was definitely, I will take this movie over the 5 p.m. donut shop coffee. Yeah, no, this movie's great. I'd watch this again. It's a crack-up. Yeah. And Tara Reid is delightful, and it makes me sad that she never really got the career she probably deserved. Well, there were uh, circumstances. There were circumstances. Um, mostly drugs. Yeah, she's very sweet, very funny in this movie, and she has a lot of talent. I think she's doing okay now. Yeah, it was weird today, you know, I was on Twitter for a minute, and Tara Reid was trending, and was like, wow, really, the day we do this? But it was a different Tara Reid. Oh. It was some political bullshit, were, and I was like, ah. Were you, worried, were you worried about her dying the day before? <laughs> the I day was. Doing- I was worried that she would die. <laughs> because we have this, um... This propensity to talk about people as they die. Yeah. But no, she's still working. She just doesn't do big giant movies. She did the Hangover games. She did do uh, Sharknado. She did do Sharknado, which is a... She does good in that movie. And she does the sequels, too. Yeah, I saw one of the... Which one? The one where it's like chasing them through time in the Middle Ages. I don't know which one that was. It's like four or something. They, they I, I, I tuned out after a while. They kind of all blur together, right? Like... At some point. Oh, she's but, in the whole franchise. Yeah, she's in every single one of them. Okay, they made it up to five global... Sw- I, I, I watched the one where they went to space, <laughs> and I was like, done. I mean, I think just for the fans, we do have to They made these. six of them, because there's one that came out in 2018 called The Last Sharknado. I, I think we need to... Well, I mean, for the fans, we will eventually have to touch these. We um, will, but she did a movie. That- I, I think we're we're far enough removed from the popularity of that series to have a more critical eye towards it. That's not just like aha memes. I was all aha memes at the time when it came out. But- I mean, you said the last one came out in 2018. It doesn't seem like that, but that was five years ago. Oh, good lord! But yeah, that- my, year my daughter was born. She turned five this year. Wow! Yep. But that's our episode on Josie and the Pussycats. Thank you for being subscribers, everyone. Next week we are escaping with John Carpenter. Yes. And Charlie McMullen. And Charlie McMullen, yes. We are doing Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. Charlie and I will be surfing down Wilshire. Oh, lucky you. Because <laughs> I'll be stuck firing a gun going, You're the Duke of New York, A number one! <laughs> <laughs> you get the fun surfing down Wilshire Boulevard, I get fucking Donald Pleasance as a president. <laughs> I get to surf with Peter Fonda. But we will catch you then, everyone. Good night. Good night.